We got another offensive lineman in the transfer portal. We got a quarterback might be coming to town in the 2024 class. We've got some softball stuff to talk about, as well as basketball gets a big win. We'll talk about all that on today's episode of Locked on Sooners. You are Locked on Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn helps you find the new candidates you want to talk to, the best candidates you want to talk to faster. Go to linkedinjobs.com to post your job for free. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you for joining us. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. He's Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also follow him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref. Not follow him. You can listen to him. It's been a couple of days since we recorded, Josh. So I think I'm a little bit out of practice. But how was your weekend, man? How are you doing? It was good. Yeah, I had a, had, a very, had, a, had a great weekend. And hey, you can follow, you can listen, whatever. <laughs> right over at 94.7 The Ref or download the KREF app. That's an easy way to stay in touch with myself and everybody over at uh, The Ref, which, oh, by the way, speaking of dialing in, why not dial in to us on Monday night? We'll have the live show. We love hearing from everybody for Monday night's live show. We'll be sharing out the YouTube link, I'm sure, sometime, uh, sometime early on Monday, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Big news. Big, uh, big news for Oklahoma as it has been a – a portal hall for the ages, John, and it continues with a big-time flip for Oklahoma. It looked like Nebraska had swooped in and outmaneuvered, outangled both Oklahoma and Iowa. Not so fast, my friends. Lee Corso-style Oklahoma flips Walter Rouse back from Nebraska, so the, the big offensive tackle from Stanford. I want to say off the top of my head, 39 starts that he had made with the Cardinal, but it's a bunch, right. a bunch of starts that uh, he had made with Stanford. And again, you, you get a flip here, John, that uh, is very, very important for Oklahoma. You just kind of look at what the landscape for Oklahoma's offensive tackle situation, what it looks like. I told you when we were having the, the conversation last week, okay, would you rather have Rouse or would you rather have Matt Lee? If you could just pick one of the two. And to me, it was Rouse just simply based on the need of the position both Anton Harrison and Wanye Morris moving on for Oklahoma. Obviously, would have been a coup if you could have wound up with both. It looked for a split second, John, like you were going to wind up with neither. But now, uh, obviously, Oklahoma flips Rouse back away from Nebraska. And I think just because of, you know, obviously the two gentlemen that we mentioned there that were starters that are moving on to the National Football League because of the Sexton injury right at the end of the season, John, to me, this is a gigantic recruiting win for Oklahoma to – try and be competitive again straight away with some portal help here at offensive tackle. They needed it. They got it. Yeah. A great addition. And as you mentioned, getting a, a flip from Nebraska, a guy that he was considering Nebraska he was considering Iowa landed with the Oklahoma centers. You beat out Matt rule. And yes, I know Matt rule has been away from the game, but it's a dude that he has a, he carries weight in the college football world. He carries weight on the recruiting trail. There's a reason he was able to rebuild Baylor to what it was after the whole Art Bryles um, fiasco that happened down there in Baylor. I can't even, 
I feel like that's undermining what happened down there at Baylor just to simply call it a fiasco. But to be able to rebuild Baylor the way he did in such a short amount of time, get back to Nebraska, they're already doing some really nice things on the recruiting trail. And they thought they had Walter Rouse. You add a guy with more than 2,500 collegiate snaps all at left tackle. This dude's been starting since he was a true freshman. Now, Stanford's not going to throw the ball a ton, so maybe his pass blocking is not going to be up to what you might expect out of that guy. But he's played it a ton. You know you're going to get a good run blocking left tackle out of Walter Rouse, which is something you need with Anton Harrison moving on to the NFL. You need somebody that you can plug and play over there at left tackle considering you still have right guard, right tackle that you got to figure out. You feel like you got a good answer at right tackle with Tyler Guyton. You think you might have a couple options there at right guard um, with uh, Caleb Schaefer that came in through the transfer portal. You also got Jake Taylor. You got uh, Savion Bird, Aaron Park. You got some options on the interior offensive line. It's just a matter of Caden Green. You got options, but you want to have some competition some places, but you also want to be able to feel like, okay, as we talk about every week and when we talk about the transfer portal, you want to have a solid floor at some point. And with a guy like Walter Rouse, if somebody was to come in and beat him out for the starting job, that's great. Maybe not great for Walter Rouse, but it's great news for you as the Oklahoma Sooners. That means you have a guy that was far and away, head and shoulders, better than a dude with 39 starts and 2,500 snaps at left tackle. So, if Walter Rouse is your starting left tackle, that's great. If somebody else turns out to be better than he is and is your starting left tackle, that's great. That's fine. But you get the experience, somebody that you can plug in next to McKay Matire. If you keep Matire at left guard, that's a really nice duo that you have there. Uh, if it ends up being Schaefer or one of the younger guys over there at left guard, then you have an experienced player playing right next to him that's going to help him transition into a starting role or help Caleb Schaefer kind of take the step up to power five level. Uh, and then, you know, then you're kind of only looking at like, okay, Andrew Rame at center, then whoever your right guard is, and then Tyler Guyton at right tackle. It helps you answer one of those questions. And as many questions as Oklahoma has going into the offseason on the offensive side of the football, it's important to answer at least one of those. So kudos to, to Brent Venables and, and Bill Biedenboe for being able to pull off the last second flip. Like that's huge to be, you know, a guy committed out of the transfer portal. So you feel like when a commitment happens out of the transfer portal, that is pretty solidified because they don't have long to flip. They don't have long to, to turn, you know, course because classes are about to start, but he must've gotten some kind of a appeal from the Oklahoma coaching staff that really swayed him. So get Walter Rouse. That's absolutely huge. Uh, Josh, before we move on, do you have any other thoughts you want to share on Walter Rouse here before we get to the next thing? I'm just reading the quote that Rouse, put out on social media with the announcement. Uh, I think he put this out on social media with the announcement quote. I never knew how the power of one's faith and gut intuition could so forcefully persuade one's decision. That happened to me this week. And on Friday, January the 13th, usually a spooky date wound up being spooky for Nebraska, not so spooky for Oklahoma, but on Friday, January 13th, I informed the head coach of the university of Oklahoma that I would be decommitting from the university of Nebraska and play my last year of eligibility as part of the 129th football team for the university of Oklahoma end quote. Sounds like Brent Venables, doesn't it? I mean, it yep. kind of has all of the imprints of the, your head football coaches uh, recruiting sway here, if you will, on the flip. So I just say in, in closing here, Hats off to Brent Venables getting this done. Obviously, Bill Biedenboe was, of course, heavily involved. But that, to me, reads, John, like uh, you brought the head football coach in, your closer, you brought him in, and he flipped this 
from Nebraska to Oklahoma. And I think for Rouse, it, it makes sense for him because there's a legitimate need for OU. It's not like he's coming in here to, to maybe play for Oklahoma with a Sexton injury, with uh, the, the bits and pieces we've seen. Sure, maybe Oklahoma would be fine with Parks and Guyton. Who knows about a Caden Green, right, stepping right in and potentially playing. It's happened before, but probably you don't push all your chips into the center of the table that that's super likely in and of itself. So somebody that started as much as he has in Oklahoma's history with offensive tackles, with the success of the program. I know, obviously, this past year was a downer, but hey, heck of a recruiting win for Brent Venables. Heck of a recruiting win just for Oklahoma. And I think it's going to be a great fit for Mr. Rouse to come to Oklahoma and probably step right in and start. And it gives him a chance to kind of raise his NFL draft profile. Cause you go to a guy, Bill Beatenbow, who's had a lot of success at putting guys into the league. I mean, Anton Harrison is a Bill Beatenbow guy looking like he's going to be a first round draft pick. So Walter Rouse can come here. If he has a great season with Oklahoma, potentially he puts himself into that top 50, you know, top 100 discussion at, left tackle or offensive tackle uh, before we get to our next topic, which we're going to discuss Michael Hawkins, uh, the 2024 four-star quarterback. Let's talk to you about LinkedIn. If you're looking to get ahead of the competition and figure out who to hire LinkedIn jobs is the place to go as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know, that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. And that's why you got to check out LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. You can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. that go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post, company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn jobs make it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. So Josh, we're going to talk about Michael Hawkins, but I also want to talk to y'all about the locked on college basketball podcast. Thank you for making locked on soon as your first listen every single day. Now make sure you check out our brand new podcast on the locked on podcast network, the locked on po- college basketball show everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players locked on college basketball available on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So Michael Hawkins, 2024 four-star quarterback seems to be the guy that's being targeted for the Sooners at quarterback in this cycle. Last summer, not minutes after he announced he received an offer from Oklahoma, Parker Thune put in a crystal ball for the Sooners. Uh, Later, on down the road, I think it was maybe in August, Josh McQuistian uh, from Sooner Scoop at Rivals put in a Rivals future cast. Uh, not a little bit later in the fall, maybe it was October. Sam Spiegelman of On Three issues an On Three prediction for Michael Hawkins to the Sooners. And then today, uh, Sunday, Nick Harris of Rivals also issued a Rivals future cast. Now, Michael Hawkins is set to commit on January 31st. Been through a bit of an ordeal. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, you haven't read about it. Um, his house was defaced with some racial slurs, um, that led him to transfer from Allen, uh, to 
uh, Frisco. Now I'm blanking on the name of it, but to one of the schools in Frisco. Um, so he and his family have been through quite a lot over the last month. And uh, there's doesn't seem like there's any change to his timeline on a commitment, but that's just kind of all the things that are going on with him right now. But what would it mean, Josh, if the Sooners were able to get a, a commitment from Michael Hawkins uh, here at the end of January? Frisco Emerson, by Thank the you. way. Uh, Thank you. Where, where Michael Sorry, Emerson. <laughs> where Michael Hawkins has transferred to. Well, what, what would it mean? It would mean that Oklahoma's got a blue chip quarterback committed on in the 2024 class. I know pretty uh, no dub, no brainer statement right there, but we've seen the effect of that, the trickle down effect in a recruiting class in a signing class, ultimately a lot over the last, however many classes for Oklahoma, because Oklahoma keeps getting commitments from and ultimately signing blue chip quarterbacks. And when that's the, initial foundation of your class john it sets you up of course to go get the skill guy the the couple of skill wide receivers couple of you know running back skill guys offensive tackle interior offensive lineman everybody offensively it sets you up to be uh, very very attractive in that sense and then you know for michael hawkins we heard parker thune i would encourage everybody to that i'm trying to think what day it was that we had parker thune on most recently but uh, probably a lot of areas, a lot of places you can go find Parker Thune's thoughts on what a Michael Hawkins commitment to Oklahoma would mean. But he did join us here on Locked On Sooners recently. And there's a number of names that Michael Hawkins is connected to. A, a bunch of guys in that that uh, Metroplex area that, again, you get a commitment from Michael Hawkins. They know Michael Hawkins. They've competed against Michael Hawkins. Some of these guys play with Michael Hawkins. So you get that commitment and all of a sudden you're automatically a more attractive destination because of that. So that's, that's number one. And then just the general, Hey, you add a talented quarterback, John, that whether it's, you know, somebody that plays with Michael Hawkins or goes, goes up against him or just kind of hears the word of mouth or sees Michael Hawkins at one of these showcase events down the line, it gets Oklahoma's foot in the door for those types of uh, other prospects as well. So it's just huge, man. When you can get a commitment from, uh, from a quarterback to start a class and Oh, by the way, Oklahoma in general, John, is looking for its first commitment in the 24 class. So, you know, regardless of who it's from, it'd be nice to get a commitment. And if you hadn't had a chance to watch Hawkins play, I, I highly recommend going to his huddle, checking out his highlights, because the dude is is just really easy with the football. Like, he throws the ball really easily. Uh, it just seems to glide out of his hands. He's very, very nimble and elusive in the pocket. Um, when pressure is getting to him and, and the pocket's breaking down, he's able to avoid it, find new space, and he always keeps his eyes down the field looking for the play down the field. Um, he's He can run. He can run away from everybody, at least at the high school level. He's just got that kind of speed to to get away. But he's also a big dude, 6'2". Uh, could stand to add some weight as he you know continues to fill out. He'll be a senior next year. But I, I'm really excited about this kid. He... I'm not going to say he's going to have the same kind of trajectory that Jackson Arnold had this past season, but I feel like he has a chance because he is so good with the football. He can throw the ball everywhere you want him to throw it. And he's such a good runner that he could have that kind of an impact that Frisco Emerson, uh, that Jackson Arnold had at Denton Geyer. Now we'll see how it all kind of transpires and play at, plays out. But the dude is a really, really good football player. Don't let that, you know, what was it? Seven and five record uh, this past season at, at Allen high school, kind of fool you he, he's a really good player and i think if he's the next kind of quarterback for the oklahoma Sooners, that's that's a really good one-two punch that you have going into the sec uh with jackson arnold and michael hawkins at quarterback 
I'm I'm watching some of his tape as we speak. As as we're taping, it's like tapeception here. Watching some <laughs> of Michael Hawkins' tape as we're taping, and one of the you know the first highlight here from his sophomore highlights, off script throw right and kind of off platform type throw, and it's right on the money. And I know it's a highlight tape, so again, h- how indicative of the overall play to play for Hawkins is that? Okay, well, that's maybe up for interpretation or for somebody that's watched every snap down in and down out for Michael Hawkins. But I do see some qualities, and this is probably something that we see more of, I think, now, John, than ever before, just because we see some guys in the National Football League that do some off-script stuff and some off-platform stuff. And, oh, by the way, they're very, very successful. They kind of do some things that, generally speaking, quarterbacks in the past were said, you know, taught, told, no, do not do not throw across your body. Don't do this throw. Don't do that throw. But I see some of that with Michael Hawkins, and he's effective doing it. So that's kind of exciting with him as well, which maybe that's something you should expect out of a high school prospect. But, man, he he does seem to have just a little little spectacularity right there that maybe some other guys off script don't have. So that's something that if you flip on the huddle tape, I think people will see. Yeah, you're not going to be able to get everything you want to get watching a highlight film, but I feel like you can find certain traits in those things and, and those off script, off script throws um, kind of the fadeaway 40 yard bomb that he can throw in, in his junior season highlights. And to me, it's the elusiveness in the pocket because when things break down, what are you going to do? And that's a pretty underrated trait. You know, I feel like it's easy to, you know, watch the guy with the big gun and watch the dude that, you know, is able to kind of hit like, pick apart defenses and things like that. And obviously you want that in your quarterback too, but I also know that it's hard to find really good pass blocking offensive line. You're not going to have a clean pocket every time you drop back to pass. So what are you going to do when the pressure's on and you don't have that clean pocket? What What's going to happen in your mind? What's going to happen to your technique, your ability to, to continue to look the ball, you know, look downfield, because I think that's probably what happened to Spencer Rattler in his time with the Sooners is that the pockets weren't clean enough compared to what he had experienced in high school. And he began getting a bit gun shy or at least not being able to see things down the field because of what was coming down the pipe. And I mean, I, I feel like he's starting to kind of figure it out at South Carolina a little bit, get more comfortable with unclean pockets, but yeah, I mean, if Michael Hawkins has that trait and is able to translate that to the college level, that'll be huge, especially going into the SEC. Yeah, no doubt. And you see, and it's not surprising, just based on if you watched Oklahoma this past season, which, hey, you're with us on Lockdown Suitors. I know you watched this past season, but the quarterback run game is a huge part of what Oklahoma does. And so guess what? It doesn't it's not surprising that Jeff Levy would then and look every OC probably should or is going after quarterbacks that are your bona fide dual threat quarterbacks. But Oklahoma with Jackson Arnold absolutely is bringing a five-star guy in that's of that variety and Hawkins. If they get this commitment here, John, I think what you're saying, and I agree with you, he runs better than Spencer Rattler runs. And when you can do that and you can escape the pocket and you can extend plays and you can do things off script, and oh, by the way, you do still have the power in that arm to make some things happen down the field and, and test the defense vertically, 
man, that makes all the difference when, again, you can just keep a play alive. Sometimes, sure, it can get certain quarterbacks into trouble. But generally speaking, John, you in today's age of college football and just really kind of football in general, that guy is at a premium. The guy that can escape the pocket, keep a play alive, and let uh, receivers can even, can continue to work open. And I see a lot of those traits in Hawkins. Yeah, it's an exciting one. And it looks like the writing's on the wall. Michael Hawkins will be in Oklahoma sooner, but I mean, it's, you know, the commitment is still a couple weeks away. National or the early signing period is not till December. National signing day is not, you know, still more than a year away. So a lot can change, a lot can transpire. Uh, it looks like Arkansas is kind of the big threat right now for Hawkins. So we'll have to keep an eye on that over the next couple of weeks. And we'll uh, go over that and we'll react to that as it happens uh, here on J- January 31st. Uh, but next we're going to talk about, Hey, big news from the Crimson and cream collective. Our friends over at Crimson and cream collective uh, provide some big news o- over the weekend or just before the weekend that we haven't had a chance to touch on. So we'll talk about that uh, as well as a big basketball win. We've got some softball stuff we want to talk about as well. All that after Josh talks to you about our friends over at bet online. BetOnline.net, your number one source for all of your pro and, well, your college football future wagering needs now going forward. Uh, Obviously, they'll be back with us as soon as the 2023 season kicks off for all of your college football game-to-game needs as well. But NFL playoffs in full swing. Man, we have had some exciting NFL playoff games as we're taping with you right now. We'll find out about Baltimore, Cincinnati. But uh, pretty interesting stuff happening in both the AFC and NFC. And I know you want a piece of that action at betonline.net. That's the easy place to, well, get uh, all of your betting needs and then your sports wagering info as well. The fastest and the easiest way to check in on everything that's going on in the sports world. And uh, not just college football or professional football. We've got, obviously, the NBA in full swing. Major League Baseball is right around the corner and so much more. So head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. It's always good news, John, when we see our our man, our friend, Mr. Jason Belzer, friend of the show, out there talking to the folks at On3 and beyond. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at this uh, aggregated report, actually, from 24-7 Sports of my brother, Joey, but uh, it was first reported by On3 Sports' Jeremy Crabtree that uh, everybody at Oklahoma, the, the scholarship players for the football program, John, transfer additions, walk-on additions, mid-year enrollees, everybody's getting a piece of the Crimson and Cream collective pie if you will, at the University of Oklahoma. And as we enter this NIL world of college football, this transfer portal world, I think the transfer portal success, John, kind of speaks for itself. You see somebody like Walter Rouse, you know, we opened talking about him tonight. He flips from Nebraska. I don't have it on any sort of authority that the Crimson and Cream Collective or name, image, and likeness was a big part of that for OU, but you can kind of put two and two together that probably on some level it was a factor, right, for Oklahoma and really just for this transfer portal season hall for OU in general, it's been a successful factor for the Sooners, which it needs to be now and going forward. And I think this is just another representation of that, John. Oklahoma's getting competitive in this uh, NIL market, and the Crimson and Cream Collective is doing some serious, serious big-time things. I think about somebody like a Gavin Freeman, that uh, obviously has made contributions to Oklahoma. He arrives as a non-scholarship sooner. And guess what? Because of the Crimson and Cream Collective, 
yeah, he's not a scholarship guy, John, but depending on what some of those financial numbers look like, he's basically a scholarship guy, right? In Oklahoma finds a way to widen its roster because of something like the Crimson and Cream Collective, which is huge news for OU now and going forward. Yeah, if you don't have to use a scholarship on a guy like Gavin Freeman, he's able to get some revenue, some reimbursement, so much, so to speak, from Crimson and Cream. It just helps you. It helps you keep a guy that's that's able to contribute. And I think it did help. It has helped on the transfer portal. It has helped on the recruiting trail. Yeah, you can kind of put the Crimson and Cream collective quote tweet the day that Peyton Bowen signed. Of you know them kind of just you know wiping their hands like. You know, mission accomplished sort of a thing. Like you can put those two and two together a little bit, and I think you're going to end up with with something there. But um, or maybe there's just maybe that's just them reacting to it. I don't know. But you can't help but think that the moves that they've made in you know their launch, the 1.5 million match campaign, even though they ended up well short of the the campaign, the fact that they were able to do so much in such a short period of time, I think, is impressive getting strengthening Oklahoma, the um, collective with Gay Bikert and Dusty Dvorak, the, the one that they ran, getting them to kind of come under the Crimson and Cream umbrella and merging, that's huge too. That that creates you know more unity within the collective sphere. Uh, now you're still going to have the Norman NIL club. You still got uh, Oklahoma, the one Oklahoma club um, that's ran by Barry Switzer. So you still got some other collectives out there, but the more kind of unity you can have, the, the better it's going to be. And I think Crimson and Cream has really got some strong vision for uh, what can, what can happen with uh, the collectives at the university of Oklahoma. Cause yes, everybody on the football roster back in the fall, they signed everybody on the basketball roster too, but they're also opening things up to every, you know, every athlete at the university of Oklahoma. So like my, my you know, subscription that I have, through Locked On Sooners with Crimson and Cream, it covers every sport. It's not just for football, not just for basketball, not just for softball, but it goes out to every sport. And so it's a little bit, and it's not like I'm some big business out there, but it provides somebody an opportunity to get a little something, whether it's the golf team or the gymnastics team, somebody gets a little bit of something. And so I think that's good. So if you're considering being a part of the the collective sphere we, you know, we'd recommend Crimson and Cream. It's, it seems like the place that's gaining the most momentum right now um, and, and able to have the biggest impact. Um, last thing we'll talk about, we're going to save softball for tomorrow. We'll, we'll touch on that. Softball season's coming up. We'll start talking more and more about that as we you know, get closer to the, the Mary Nutter Classic that's going to be happening out in California where Oklahoma will open with a what five-game set or four-game set that weekend. But, Josh, let's talk about a big win for men's basketball on Saturday. Uh, against West Virginia, it was a game that for, they had pretty well in, in control for the most part. Uh, they led the entire way. There were, you know, a few ties here and there. And as the the play by play crew continued to announce that Oklahoma has led the entire way, I got less and less confident they were going to be able to lead when the clock hit zeros. But they ultimately pull off a 77-76 win over West Virginia at home. And to me, the the biggest thing I took away from that is they showed that they were able to close a game in their first four, you know, big 12 games in which they started one and three, they had leads in every single one of them against Texas, against Iowa state, against Kansas and against Texas tech. Obviously they win the Texas tech game, but in the three losses, they were leading in the fourth quarter and late in the fourth quarter in each of those games just didn't, weren't able to close it, but they were able to do so against West Virginia. So it's huge for them. Get another great contribution from Grant Sherfield, Milo Zuzon, 
that's his third straight double digit game. He's become a revelation for the Sooners. And I think that's, if you have those two guards working really, really well, and I think it's, it, it it's everything for your club right now. Jalen Hill has been a fantastic um, revelation as well. I mean, he was perfect uh, against West Virginia, both from the field and the free throw line it was five of five from the field, four or four from the free throw line, give you 14 points. So Josh, kind of your biggest takeaway from, from the Sooners win there. Yeah, they won the game is the biggest takeaway. And they, they won a close game. Uh, obviously, a couple of junctures of this game felt like Oklahoma h- had it in control. Uh, I'm looking back here. I wanted I, I thought there was a, a juncture or two where they led by 10, but maybe I'm I'm daydreaming that a little bit uh, with, a you know, 14 minutes, 1340, some to play Oklahoma led by nine. 50 to 41. Uh, maybe it just kind of felt like they had West Virginia at arm's length all afternoon long. And then uh, obviously it got, uh, it got really, really interesting late and Oklahoma had to go make plays to uh, and, and come up with stops to go win the game. And they, they found a way to do just that. So, yeah, I mean, that's the most important thing is that uh, Oklahoma won a close game in a game that simply put John, they had to find a way to get, couldn't lose this game at home. Uh, given the home games that you've already dropped in Big 12 play against a team in West Virginia that had started 0-4 in league play, that's not a game that's affordable to lose inside the LNC. And give Oklahoma credit, it don't matter how you got it. It don't matter that the final score is 77-76. Oklahoma got the home win that it needed to get. And the thing that was different for me in this game, or and really for the Sooners watching this as I'm watching this game, is in the last few minutes when you know they're needing to get points, they're needing to get buckets. Like against Kansas, they were settling for some pretty bad three-point attempts. You know, took three straight threes, missed every one of them, allowed Kansas to kind of cut the gap. Ultimately, they took the lead. Well, in this one, as West Virginia is trying to close the gap, trying to take a lead, get their first lead of the game late, instead of settling for threes, Oklahoma's driving to the basket. They're taking advantage of this Big 12 officiating that's calling everything seemingly right now. And when you go to the basket, good things happen. You force either a foul, you get a bucket, you you just create a more high percentage shot as opposed to settling for a three. And even in a on a day where they were shooting the three ball better than what they did against Kansas, I was really happy to see that they didn't sit back and settle for the three-point shot when, hey, West Virginia is driving to the hole. You got to answer in kind. If you don't get there, but you draw a foul, that's just as good. You get to the line, you hit your three, your free throw shots, and Oklahoma did that. Jalen Hill hit four free throw shots in the final couple of minutes. Tanner Groves had a couple, you know, free throw uh, points, and then Grant Sherfield was one of two from the line, which ultimately ended up being the difference. So, go to the basket, make good things happen, and and I think that was kind of my biggest thing. Is like, okay, they learned a little bit from the Kansas game that hey, in crunch time, we got to go to the hole, we got to force them to to stop us or foul us. Tanner Groves, I'm looking at the box score. He took two shots in this game. That's uh, that's kind of wild. That that's it. I, I, you know, I'd like to see uh, as you have Sherfield doing his thing. Obviously, he uh, makes five of fifteen in this game, but he goes for twenty two points. Right, so another nice performance for Sherfield. Uzon, you you touched on it. I mean, continues to get better and better. Another double figure scoring game for him with eleven. Hill. Shoots five times and he's perfect. Five of five from the floor. Tanner Groves shoots twice and he's two for two. And it's those two big threes that he mm-hmm. hit in the game. So I, I'm kind of just looking at the box score and that doesn't always tell the exact story, John. But just looking at that, it's like, 
okay, it's okay, guys, to take a couple more shots, especially when you're seven of seven combined. But, uh, again, the, the big thing here is Oklahoma finds a way to win a home game that it, it needed to find a way to win. Yeah, and the schedule is not going to get any easier. I mean, it's the Big 12. Every game is going to be tough. Uh, and I'm going to try and pull up real quickly who they play next. Do you have that off the top of your head, Josh? Um, they play next. Trip to Oklahoma State. Yeah, there you go. They got Oklahoma State in Stillwater. And then they get they they host Baylor next Saturday um, before taking on TCU, number seventeen ranked TCU in Fort Worth. You know they got two games against unranked opponents, and then two games after that against ranked opponents at TCU, and then home Saturday, January twenty eighth against the Alabama Crimson Tide, a future SEC opponent. So that's going to be a, a really fun matchup in the SEC Big Twelve Challenge. So. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in, making yourself part of the show. Make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all platforms. Also, go check out the show over on YouTube. Be sure to be there 9 o'clock Central Time on the YouTube channel for our live show tomorrow night or tonight, whenever you're watching this, uh, where we'll continue to talk transfer portal recruiting. We'll talk some softball stuff You know, as Oklahoma looks geared up for uh, to really contend for a three-peat. So that's going to be a lot of fun to watch this season. Uh, but until next time, make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on Ref here on Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at thesoonerswire.com. But until our live show on Monday night where you can be a part of the show with your interactions, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner.